Travis Pickens Jackson. You ready? Let's go! Now live in the Bank Plus studio, where college football meets the all-lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming around the world live at the Out of Bounds radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN, brought to you by Edwin White's Golf Shop on County Line Road. Upgrade your golf game at Edwin White's Golf Shop on County Line Road. And also, we are driven by Fleet Way Market in Glugstadt and Fleet Way Market in Brookhaven with their market cafes. We're streaming live on thezone1059.com and the Out of Bounds radio app. Uh, Mississippi State with a monster win in Oxford, 24-22, as uh, they took the Golden Egg home. And their defense was unbelievable, especially tackling in space. I mean, that's what you have to do to the, you know, Ole Miss offensive skill players like Judkins or Mingo or Heath. Um And then they did just enough on offense, especially through Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson on a night where things were not really going well for Will Rogers. Uh, Three turnovers, two fumbles. Lucky one wasn't a uh, scoop and score. And Tulu Griffin, arguably the play of the game. Could have gotten away from you in the first first quarter and then fumbling on the one, running the zone read, which that was a head scratcher. But he did throw a dart. Going into uh, halftime to Tulu Griffin for a 20-yard pass. That's not what Mississippi State would have done in the past. That's why John Cohen yep. kind of went this direction. You you would, you would were down 16-7, to seven, and that doesn't sound like a lot, and it's not for most. Nah, it, it is. It's not for some teams, including Ole Miss at times during their history and, of course, a bunch of others. But the deal was the ability to be able to throw the ball and you're sitting there at the 20-yard line, and Will actually stepped up in the pocket, which is what he needed to do all night, and I'm sure he knows that. He's a coach's son, and Mike Leach knows that. But he shuffles up, steps up in the pocket, throws a dart to Tulu Griffin. Huge. Because if you don't score there, you know, and again, you're down 16-7, to and you kind of feel like Ole Miss is is a – is a play away from breaking it open mm-hmm. and going in the halftime, you score. And yeah. that's because I, I know Will's limited at certain things, but he can throw the football. I, you know, he ran into pressure on Thursday night, which I thought that surprised me. I mean, he's 30 games in. He's going to have to, you know, make a, make a jump. I thought he regressed a little bit this year. It, it surprised me. Um, and, and so I would have to believe that he'll, be challenged himself. They say he's a mega worker and all that, and you know, always in the facility, but a um, little bit more pocket awareness and so on. But the bottom line is you want, but here's the deal. Your, your tackling in space was uh, something that we really haven't witnessed, and so kudos to Arnett and the players. And that Mississippi State offensive line busting holes open for Marks and uh, Dylan Johnson the second half. Both guys who were hurt, and Dylan Johnson, a kid from Greenville, Mississippi, he really showed yeah. up. And you know who else played? Who who who's disappeared? Jaden Wally. Jaden Wally made three big catches 
And he's kind of disappeared since the Georgia touchdown his freshman year. Oh, yeah. All right? It's probably fair. This is, and also the big discussion is around Lane Kiffin and how he handled the last couple of weeks and could he have handled it better with all the Auburn rumors. And this is Lane on signing or not signing the, the extension after the Golden Egg game. I don't know. I mean, I've signed three, so did that make it? Does a fourth one mean you're never leaving? So, um, I don't know. I'm much more focused and worried about the game than whether you sign another contract. And I'm not acting ungrateful for that, but, um, again, everybody thinks you signed a contract. Well, a year ago you said the same thing, and then here we are again. So, And I think old Miss fans know that they're going to be going through this over and over again, right? I mean, if if A and M if it doesn't work out for Jimbo, who knows? Um, and so that's a little bit that you can tell that Ole Miss fans are are having you know fatigue on the fact that people are he's going to be rumored for jobs, especially if he stays at eight wins. <laughs> if he stays at eight wins or above. He's going to be rumored, and keep an eye on two, Jimbo Fisher and Steve Sarkeesian. Yep. Th- those are the two jobs that I would, you know, keep an eye on. It's hilarious to me that I there's I don't see Dabo fatigue. going anywhere. If Clemson opened, Lane would take that job if offered. But but Texas and Texas A&M are, like, where would Dabo go? I guess Dabo could go to A&M or, or Texas. But those could be open next year this time. And I guess Ohio State could get crazy, right? John Cooper was winning nine games, ten games a year. Couldn't beat Michigan. And they ran him. And then Trestle owned Michigan. And Urban owned Michigan. And Ron Day owned them for a, a hiccup. And now Jim Harbaugh's 2-0 and in the last two against Ohio State including they never thought they were going to lose in the horseshoe nope. in Columbus, Ohio. Did you nope. see some of that video? Nope. And look, we dropped the audio from Lane Train last week. I mean, it was almost like, uh, yeah, I'm beating Mike Leach in Mississippi State. Yeah, he was nonchalant about it. Very, very, very nonchalant. Somebody sent us on the Ag Up Equipment text line um, a snippet from a message board. I don't know which one it is. On an Ole Miss poster talking about how this game has to become a formality. I hate to I hate to break this to you. Ain't happening. Mississippi State's never, ever, ever, ever going away. And this game will never be a formality. You're also not going to do it the other Johnny way. Johnny Vault won 15 in a row. That's the reason why the series is what it is, pre-integration. Um, the last, since 1991, you know, the series is whatever it is. 16 and 15, 17 and 15. Uh, 30 years from now, it'll look much like that. It's over. It's never It's never going back. It's never hanging. And I think on this thing it says, I don't know who this, uh, I don't know who posted this or where, but it has to be a formality and we have to win eight, eight of 10. It's simply not happening. Not happening. So, you know, y- you can raise $67 million in the transfer portal. It's it's not happening. Neither team is doing that. No. Neither I'm not team. saying Mississippi State is. 
But if you think this game's going to be a formality, then you really will be in for a rude awakening every Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Could Kiffin come back and win next year? Absolutely. Do I do I really like what I saw from Jackson Dart? You know who I, Dart played well. It's just his receivers couldn't uh, explode Mm-mm. and make big plays once they caught the ball. And the reason why is Mississippi State was unbelievable tackling in space. Yeah, and, and which is not what we see in college football, which is what Tom Luganbill alluded to in the in the last hour. I think what we pointed out to and and Luganbill maybe didn't quite sum it up. I feel like in a, in a way that showed the true dichotomy of this game. Coming into the game, Ole Miss was averaging over five yards a carry. Mississippi State was averaging three and a half. They flipped that in this game. Yeah. In this game, Mississippi State's running backs combined for 150 yards almost, 149 on 26 carries. Ole Miss only had 91 yards between their two backs on 27 carries. That's the difference in the game. It's that simple. You ran for 150 yards among your two backs. Ole Miss ran for less than 100. That's what it comes down to. I, I agree. I, the whole mark... The offensive line and Marks and Johnson had a big night um, pounding the rock in the second half, and it, it kept Ole Miss's offense off the field. Dart was really good. Dart, and, and in the rain, you know, throwing the football, he was he was really, really good. They just couldn't capitalize on it, and they couldn't break away and get that 48-yard pass, right, or 55-yard pass, which is – you know, something that's a backbreaker for uh, for the defense. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by Superior Foundation, superior.ms for all your foundation repairs, Superior. Uh, Steve Robertson will join us at 930 on the Yingling Lager Guest Line. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it. After a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot and believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Z-Biotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Yeah, somebody asked on the Ag Up Equipment text line, you know, how many does Lane have to win to continue to be in the discussion for some jobs that could come open, like maybe Texas or Texas A&M? I would think he has to win eight next year. That schedule gets a lot tougher. You drop Kentucky at home, and you pick up 
Georgia, and Athens. So Kentucky at home, Yikes. Georgia, and Athens. That's how that looks. Those are the same. Yeah. And honestly, you want Willie Fritz. I mean, you should win this game either way. But you you want Willie Fritz at Tulane, who's an unbelievable coach, to take the Georgia Tech job. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that, but that would be an excellent hire for Georgia Tech, but they think somehow they're above that. That's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, and I know that Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans have lost their minds on their expectations along with damn near everybody else in college football. Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, Nebraska gets Matt Rule. <laughs> they don't know what they want. Wisconsin goes with Luke Fickle, uh, which, you know, that makes sense. He's never left the state of Ohio, um, which is insane. And they decided to skip over their their boy wonder, all-American safety, defensive coordinator Jim Leonard. It's the right call. And go with Luke Fickle. It's the right call. Yeah. Except for the fact well, that I Fickle guess. will be taking the Ryan Day Ohio State job in two years. Well, Ryan Day's going to have to win next year. And this is going to sound crazy, and I get it. But for those of you who keep up with the big programs, which I think is fun, Ohio State has been an absolute monster since Jim Trestle took over and Urban Meyer took it to another level. Ryan Day has now lost back-to-back Michigan games, and he has to go to Ann Arbor next year. That's something else to keep an eye on. And Mississippi State just won the Golden Egg, and they get to host the game next year. Now, the two teams have been winning on each other's field. And, you know, we go through spurts, runs, whatever. Obviously, Lane Train won in Starkville last year. Mike Leach returns the favor and wins in Oxford this year. Now, let's drop some Kiffin audio, and then we'll go with some Leach audio. Uh, This is Kiffin on staying in Oxford. With the regular season over now, do you anticipate being Ole Miss's coach next season? Yes, I do. I feel like that was a court trial where you're like, yes, I do. A court trial. That's what I, when I'm ready to stay at a place and coach football, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm in court. I'm so sad to be here. It's like being in court. How dry was that? Let's listen to that again. Lane Kiffin on staying in Oxford. Lane, with the regular season over now, do you anticipate being Ole Miss's coach next season? Yes, I do. I feel like that was a court trial where you're like, yes, I do. All right. That's Uh, hilarious to me. Yeah. Now, do you want to go through uh, John Sokoloff's audio? Yeah, well, it's it's you and I have been discussing whether or not Kiffin turned down Auburn or was offered the Auburn job because right. did they dance and flirt? Absolutely. Was there an? Did they get all the way in bed under the covers? Yeah. Which means did, did there's a big difference in life? Yeah. Uh, everybody listening understands the difference in flirting. Right. There's a lot of that in all different aspects in life. Okay, and and flirting at the bar and hanging out is much different than going home, getting under the covers, and doing the whole deal. The question is, 
was there a firm, absolute offer from the Auburn Tigers? Yeah, and if there wasn't, why, after all of the speculation and supposed like fit and yada, 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 why would there not have been an offer? Well, it goes right. back to the last 10 to 14 days for Lane Kiffin. Did that turn Cohen off, so to speak? Um, I think when um, it was falsely reported by John, who's now famous, congratulations, um, that you can just write whatever you want. And I would do it too, I think, because you're never held accountable and you get to become famous and maybe you'll be right. So John did it. So then I had to have a team meeting to say his article was wrong, um, which would love to know these unnamed sources from John. But so, yes, I had to deal had to have a team meeting because of that they don't when there's other stuff and chat rooms and all that stuff but when a reporter writes it, it changes the game with that so sorry lane you're the first coach ever to deal with this i'm so sorry you were put out i'm so sorry someone reported you may take a different job because this has never happened to dan mullen or tommy tuberville or any other coach who's ever coached anywhere in the history of the world nick saban with the miami dolphins shut up i liked kiffin up until this last 10 days and he had been on great behavior he'd been doing everything he had answered all the right questions he had motivated his team and his fan base the right way tweeting the right way every time he went to the press conference the fan base responded every time every time and now you know what happened they responded to that too you trained them to respond, Lane, so then when you opened your mouth and you put your foot in it, they responded. And you can't go petty on a reporter because I got, in the, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't matter. Right? I think that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. And also, he didn't, whether Sokoloff's right or wrong, it doesn't matter because he followed the protocol. That's, people, but that's what happens every time. A Washington, reporter says sources. politics, people throw out things all the time. It says, he says, this, this is what my source told me. Here's what he said. NFL. Lane going, oh, I want to know these sources. So does so does Trump. So does Bill Clinton. So all, everybody wants to know your sources. Sure. We Every scandal, every time a coach has been hired or fired, somebody wants to know sources. Stop. I mean, this to me was the first true black eye on Lane Kiffin. The first true black eye at Ole Miss. Out of Bounds brought to you by your next John Deere tractor at Ag Up Equipment. Great customer service. AgUp.com. Almost 20 dealerships uh, around the state. You can find them, agup.com, for your next John Deere tractor or John Deere lawnmower. Your reaction to Kiffin mixing it up again in the postgame presser after the Golden Egg uh, with John Sokoloff. And Sokoloff doesn't care. No. And most do. And, you know, again, Lane had, had pressed all the right buttons. Yep. For, for a few, almost three years now. And then somebody asked, hey, what's the biggest win for the two teams? That's easy. Ole Miss's biggest win is Kentucky at home. And Mississippi State's uh, biggest win is at Ole Miss. I mean, Arkansas and A&M at home were, were good wins. But Ole Miss's biggest win is Kentucky at home. And Mississippi State's is at Ole Miss. Uh, the crazy part is you beat Auburn and A&M, and you, they're not the two best wins on your season. That's right. what's funny. And you're 4-0 against Auburn and A&M in the last four if you're Mississippi State and Mike Leach. For all of the naysaying like thing, and I, I've been 
anti off the field. Well, you Mike don't like Leach. Mike Leach. I lo- I like Mike Leach. I think his stubbornness and his inability You're to change some things is bad. You're and one hater. and by the way, one win doesn't change it. Mike Leach isn't all right. By the way, just because he beat I Ole think Miss, that could be a concern on this staff. Yep. You know, that's the first thing I thought. We'll show you. You know, and they, now we're not going to change. They are not good at all about taking. They, they weren't ready for the transition from Washington State to Mississippi State Facts. in the SEC. Facts. And this will this work for you or against you? Will they sharpen the sword and recruit like they need to and do some things like they need to? Or if you think winning the Egg Bowl for the first time in three years is the pinnacle and you now can relax, then that's a bigger indictment on that staff and Mike Leach than anything else but they up may to this not. point. They, they may not. No. We don't, we don't know. You're correct. We don't know. Um, all right. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by the Men's Clinic in Madison. If you feel like you're low testosterone, low energy, losing your sex drive, you want to go to the Men's Clinic in Madison and the man, the man thing.com. Powered by the Men's Clinic in Madison and Steve Robertson will join us coming up next on the Dosecki Guest Line. The Out of Bounds Show is powered by the award-winning golf courses at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Uh, your SEC Insider Hit today is brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your car and home and save with your Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Saving favorites.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. This is 105.9 The Zone ESPN. And we are the Out of Bounds Show. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. Steve Robertson joins us on the Dosecki Guest Line. Uh, Mississippi State with a big, big road win in the rivalry game. Mike Leach had dropped two uh, games to Lane Kiffin. MSU wins 24-22. The defense was unbelievable. The running game in the second half uh, for Mississippi State was outstanding. And then there were some other crazy plays in the game. And so we welcome in Steve Robertson, 247 Sports, Jeans Page, on the show. Steve, do you think, does this... uh, kind of changed the status for Leach within the fan base. There felt like there was some fatigue and apathy setting in. What do you think? Yeah, I think in some respects it does. You know, there, there were a lot of people that were still kind of fence sitters. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, a lot of this angst and maybe acrimony of the last few weeks has been the fear of losing the egg again. You know, to three straight. I mean, it's one of those things that I guess there's only been one coach in history that's, that's lost three consecutive egg bowls and, uh, Ultimately, he was fired, you know, and that was uh, Slick Morton. But you know, I think there are a lot of people out there. Now you've got the egg back. You, you've improved your regular season record from a year ago with a more difficult schedule. And I think people think that this program took a step forward. Maybe not as big a stride forward as maybe many had hoped, but certainly moving in the right direction. Uh, talk about how Will Rogers uh, did not play well, and yet they found enough – on the ground in the second half, and the defense was unbelievable tackling in space and so on and pressuring Dart. Uh, If I would have told you that Will Rogers was not going to play well and Mississippi State was still going to win, what would you have said on Thursday afternoon? 
I probably would have been very surprised. And I think in the end, the defense played without a doubt one of its best games of the year, and special teams was so huge. I thought George Jaropoulos had his best game in the uniform because punting's been a bit of an adventure this year. But uh, the defense and special teams kept State in the game until the offense kind of figured it out. And, yeah, Will didn't play well, and he'll tell you the same. But uh, there was a that huge drive right before the half. It was really a game changer for State because you go down, you know, two scores at the break, you know, even though you've got the ball coming out at the end of the half, you know, you begin to think this thing may get away from us. But that, that drive and then that, that pass to uh, to Tulu there to to pull within two points right before the break, I thought was very significant. And I think a lot of that is Will Rogers just kind of willing that team into the end zone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing to look back at hindsight and see how bad the offense was in the middle portion of the game. But you still found a way to win. Uh, there's several MVPs, Tulu Griffin recovering the fumble, Arnett and the defense, the offensive line in the second half. You mentioned field position. Uh, you kind of feel like uh, Ole Miss kind of finds them their, themselves in better field position a lot more than MSU, and you're right. Uh, MSU won that battle. Where would you go out of the ones that I just listed? You know, that's a good question. I think I might go with uh, probably with Buki Watson or the linebacker core for as well as they played the run and fitting gaps and kind of getting Judkins before he really got going. And even though he did have a decent game, not what many people expected. I think a lot of people really thought he would have a huge game uh, well, they holding 91 yards, I think, is what it was. But uh, the, the play, and, and you mentioned it, Bo, of Tulu Griffin diving and taking that fumble away from Otis Reese. Otis Reese is trying to measure his steps there and scoop and score, which is what you're taught to do. And Tulu Griffin just dives in there and takes it away and gives State an opportunity to punt. We'll probably have a different conversation today if he didn't make that play. Steve Robertson on the Dusecki guest line. Uh, Mississippi State won the Golden Egg game. So what uh where where does this go? What what do they need to do in the next what do they have? Three weeks before signing day, Steve? Yeah, thereabouts. I mean, yeah, they they've got to they gotta close and you know, they can get on the road here in a few days, you know, and that's gonna be a big part of things too. There's there's still some battles out there that are still very much up for grabs, like Isaac Smith and State has got to get some safeties in this class. And Isaac Smith's a guy that's probably college ready right now. And while you may not be a starter as a freshman, you you feel like that he would contribute as a freshman. I think he is a future NFL guy, provided he stays healthy and works hard. But you know, he picked up an offensive line commitment over the weekend. I think they'll They'll be offensive and defensive line heavy, and certainly you've got to get some names there in the secondary to kind of close this thing out between now and National Signing Day. Uh, as well as the defense played, and they did, you mentioned Watson, among others, who were unbelievable. Um, where are you on the offense? How does the offense get better? They're, this is the end of year three, and really the game is all – driven and predicated on explosive plays, pushing the ball down the field, uh, and yet they're not generating explosive plays like they should be, I guess. What do you make of that? Well, I think a lot of it is just kind of the maturation of the scheme, you know, within the current roster. Uh, You know, last year, all the talk was drop eight, drop eight, drop eight. Well, then this year you add that element of the running game as Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks. Uh, combined to go over a thousand yards this year, and I think that was kind of a magic number. If they needed to do that, 
so as a result, people began to, to defend state a little bit differently. And, and where they struggled is when you have elite corners, when you when you don't have to play a lot of zone coverage, when you can man it up outside outside the numbers, it allows them to bring more pressure. And I think well, Rogers saw a completely different approach this year than he did a year ago. And at times he handled it well, and other times he didn't. I think that's part of his development too. Now that he's seen it a little more regularity, he'll have time to kind of work on it and prepare. And the next year could be a completely different year. And, and with eight home games next year and all four of the road games within the league being manageable, being potentially toss-ups, and, and, of course, that trip to Columbia, South Carolina, that looked to be quite as easy as it did at, at the beginning of the year, you know, it could, you could have a special year next year at Mississippi State. You could have potentially a 10-win regular season next year if things go well. So I think that's really the, the, the challenge now is, you know, how do you take what everybody did against you this year and be better for it next year so it's not a repetitive process? Uh, what do you make of Zach Arnett? People, you know, he may get some looks, but also he has told a lot of people in and outside the program how much he enjoys the autonomy that Leach gives him and the fact that he gets to run the defense. How do you see that playing out? Well, at some point he is going to leave. You know, I mean, it, it, that's just kind of how things work. And he's a young, very aggressive and ambitious coach. And so he will get some looks. And uh, I won't be surprised if Auburn doesn't take a look at him just because of the fact John Cohen's such a huge Zach Arnett fan. You'd certainly hate to see that. But uh, he, he will get some phone calls. I don't think there's any question. But, you know, he has shared many times, even off the record, about how much he and his family enjoy living in Starkville. They, they enjoy the working relationship they have with the coaching staff and the fact that it's a great place to raise a family. And, and for the reasons you mentioned, too, Mike Leach lets him run his scheme the way he wants to run his scheme, and that's not always the case around the country. And so I don't think that he's in the mix to be a you know maybe a G5 head coach this year. I think maybe he's probably got to leave Mississippi State at some point and do it maybe at, a, at, a, at another job. Uh, before that happens. But I do think Mississippi State's going to have to work hard to keep him this year. Uh, of course, they rolled him over, and he's in a multi-year contract. And John Cohen was very aggressive about that when he was the director of athletics at Mississippi State. So I think Zach Arnett showed this year at times that you know he can be an elite play caller. I mean, you can look at the Alabama and the Georgia games. You say, well, you know, the score of those games weren't, you know, truly indicative of how well the defense played. And that's true. You didn't always get much help from the offense. But Zach Arnett's group, was always ready to play, and, and there, there was a time they were a little bit inconsistent uh, against the run, but I think down the stretch they figured some things out. And Listen, who knew in the preseason that Buki Watson would lead the Southeastern Conference in tackles at the end of the year? That's pretty remarkable. Um, who, who would you – who do you think is the MVP of the offense from Thursday night? I mean, a lot of people would go with the offensive line, but if you went individual player, would you go Dylan Johnson or someone else? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, I might go Woody Marks just because there were a couple of big plays late, especially. And give Ole Miss a lot of credit, too, for how physical they are on defense. But when they when they hit you, they hit you. You know, it's not a finesse defense. And that hadn't always been the case up there. But there were some really hard runs where Woody Marks had to bounce off first contact and moved the chains. And I thought that he had a real determination on Thursday to win that football game. And I think that really showed. So you could go either way with DJ or, or Woody, but I'm probably going with Woody just because of the fact that uh, a lot of his carries were those, you know, four and five yard variety that probably are one and two yard gains under most situations, but he just had a will to win and battle through contact and kept the chains moving. How about Jaden Wally? 
at wide receiver who had three big catches, five total, but uh, had kind of disappeared the last year or so. Yeah, and he has not had the year we had hoped. I, I really I projected him to be state's leading receiver this year, and, and he wasn't. But uh, there were a couple of sight reads there against Ole Miss where he recognizes the blitz and he uncovers and kind of runs to the area vacated by the blitzer. And there were a couple of big third down plays where he and Will are on the same page. Will immediately goes to him while he's moving the sticks. And you know he's got some explosiveness about him. And I, I still think that there's a lot left in the tank for him. Uh, and maybe it's a matter of trying to find a way to get him more involved in the offense. And, you know, his drops have been an issue. But I think down the stretch, he caught the football with, with much better, uh, you know, conviction and didn't have those big drops. You know, he had a couple of really big drops against LSU. But second half of the season, he kind of cleaned those things up. And, again, I think there's more in the tank for him, too. Um, Makai Polk and Jerion Ely, among others, left early and went undrafted. Uh, we're seeing more and more of that because handlers, you know, third-party flesh peddlers get to these guys and convince them they'll be a fourth or fifth round pick, sixth round pick. And the guaranteed money is insane now, as you know, Steve. I think when I started doing this show, the rookie minimum was 200000 I think it's eight hundred and fifty dollars uh, coming up. Uh, so I get it. If you make the roster, that's holy smokes. Marks and Dylan Johnson. I, I don't think they're NFL players or should go do you think how concerned should the offensive staff who kind of went to sleep last year when Makai Polk went out to California for the holidays how concerned should they be with uh Marks and Dylan Johnson I, I wouldn't say I'd be overly concerned but yeah it, it is an issue and I think that's one of the things you know, you're still recruiting your players you know it's whether you're recruiting to not go in a transfer portal or you're recruiting to not go pro or whatever yeah, you know, I, I don't think either one of those guys are ready. And again, I think there's more left for them to do to kind of prove their worthiness as an NFL prospect. I know Dylan Johnson, of course, has a young son, and that's something that he has to consider. Uh, but I believe both of those guys would benefit from coming back for another year. And I think when you look at the development and just kind of the maturation of them as football players, I mean, they're probably where you want them to be. But there's still some uh, some room for improvement there. And I think there's a lot more production as teams begin to kind of you know shift the way they want to defend against Mississippi State. I think there's some opportunities like you saw with Woody Marks here down the stretch where I thought he ran really hard between the tackles. And maybe that's not something that he did as well last year. I think this year he proved to be a much more rugged runner in the box. And uh, I know that's attractive. And the fact that he can catch passes out of the backfield in today's NFL is, is a premium skill set. Uh, but they, they've got left. They've got a lot left to prove, I think. And uh, oh, no what doubt. you want to do, though, do you – you want to avoid a Benique West Brown type situation. You want to avoid a Makai Polk situation. And you got to be honest with him. And I thought Steve Spurrier Jr. was honest with Makai last year, and he took a lot of heat for going public with some of that. But in the end, you know, Makai didn't get drafted. And, and I don't think you look at that and say, hey, I was right. But you use it as a cautionary tale because those guys know Makai. They understand. And Makai eventually makes a practice squad and is ultimately released. Could you imagine – what he could have done this year and what that would have done to Mississippi State this year to have Makai pulled back. I mean, a guy that can, that can get you 100 catches. And State lacked that bell cow receiver this year. But you know, Mississippi State and Makai Polk both would have benefited this year with another season. And so I think you use that, these guys, and say, hey, listen, let's not be a sucker for the quick reward. Let's come back and work hard and, and put ourselves in a position next year to make even more money. Do you think that the offensive staff especially understands uh, that they'll have to – Re recruit, uh, retain, recruit players like Tulu, Ra Ra, 
and Xavion Thomas and some others? Do you think that's I do they I, very clearly understand that? I, I do, and I think part of it too is um, you know the, the the change in the NCAA calendar too. Like you have you have more time now to do all these exit interviews and things like that before you get on the road. You know, used to you know the egg ball would happen on Saturday and then Sunday morning. You know, you're in church watching you know a kid sing in a choir or whatever. I mean, it's like it was an immediate type deal where you transition from coach to full-time recruiter well now there's a little bit of a buffer period in there where you can kind of see where guys heads are you can have an opportunity to share with them this is our vision for you uh, we don't think you're going to play here Maybe perhaps you should pursue the portal uh, you get a chance to have those meetings whereas in the past you didn't maybe you had to do it on the road or on your cell phone while you were going from one recruiting stop to the next and so i, I think they understand that and i think it gives them both on both sides of this issue a chance to kind of sit down and have an understanding of where everybody's head is. Uh, what did you make of, did you hear the, the audio um, from Leach and Kiffin when they shook hands? I did not. Okay, this is hilarious, Steve. All right, you know how we've gone through this whole thing with Cheryl and Brewer, Cheryl and Tuberville, Mullen and Freeze, you know, all that, right? And, and it would, Right, you, you know the, you've been in the thick of it. You know the drill. Uh, when when they met at midfield, um, Mike said maybe we'll see each other in Florida, and and uh, maybe they'll get off of you a little bit. I mean, can you believe you know two coaches meeting at center at midfield after a very hotly contested competitive Golden Egg game, and Mike says maybe we'll see each other in Florida. How funny is that? It is funny. Um, yeah, the, the thing that's so interesting to me is like, uh, you know, and we've had these carpetbaggers like Hugh Kellenberger that show up in Mississippi and, <laughs> and want to tell everybody how to act, you know, uh, like, oh, it's, you guys, it's, it's more toxic than ever. And it's like I remind people in 1905 when State and Ole Miss played in Jackson for the very first time, Ole Miss's football coach had quit before the season. They barely had any practice and played two games and didn't score in either game. And State wins 11 nothing, And they have a full military parade funeral for the Ole Miss athletic spirit down Capitol Street in Jackson. And, of course, in 1926, you had the big fight. You know, and then, you know our grand- grandfathers were out there swinging chairs at each other. But all these other people show up and say, oh, I wish, you know, it, it's gotten so bad lately. It's always been bad. I think in many respects it's probably better than it has been historically. And, and uh, of course, a few years ago it was very – uh, dare I use the word toxic, but uh, you know, the reality <laughs> of it is, is it, it is a rivalry game, and it's not something that is only observed on Thanksgiving. I mean, in many respects, we're playing the Egg Bowl 365 days a year, and I think most people get it, and while they don't like the other team, you know, they don't, they don't take it too far, but there are a few out there on Lunatic Fringe that do, but it's, it, it, this is not a new phenomenon that State and Ole Miss don't like each other. And, and it really dates back before athletics. I mean, it was kind of the, you know, the agriculture versus culture and the, the bourgeois of Mississippi kind of looking down on the common man within the state. I mean, there was a rivalry between the population before we even had football games. And now we just have a football game uh, between, you know, two schools that represent the different ideals within this state. And, it's never going to be this happy, happy, joy, joy thing that some people suggest it should be. Steve Robertson, uh, Boneyard Podcast, jeanspage.com, 247 Sports. He joins me on the Dosecki guest line. Um, what did you make of Malik Heath and the state players 
uh, hugging also after after the game? Well, I think that, that that's probably a good thing, too. Malik Heath, when he was at Mississippi State, I mean, yeah, he had some problems. He did. But to know Malik Heath is to love Malik Heath. I mean, he is a guy that always smiles. He is um, he's a very competitive guy, and that, that, that sometimes that brings out the worst in him. Uh, but Malik Heath has a good heart, and he's got a lot of friends at Mississippi State, and so there wasn't all this, you know, acrimony or, you know, backbiting and things like that between them. And so Malik Heath did not have the opportunity to return to Mississippi State. He had a chance to go to Ole Miss. And, and go up there, and he had a really big year for himself. And my hope is that he gets an opportunity to play professional football somewhere. But I don't know that there are many people on that Mississippi State football team that uh, wish Malik Heath ill. I think everybody's just happy that he had another opportunity and he made the most of it. Um, Isaac Smith, the big-time safety out of Mississippi, where would this stuff can change on a dime? Where would you crystal ball him today? Well, I crystal balled him actually a couple months ago to Mississippi State, and I feel better about that pick today than I did when I made it. And so I, I think LSU is still in it a little bit. Ole Miss still in a little bit. Um, you know, he'll take some more official visits. He's already been out to A&M. But I like where Mississippi State sits with him right now, and I think there's a couple reasons why. Number one, I think State has recruited him harder than anybody else, and he does have a chance – to have some immediate playing time as a freshman. And I don't know that those opportunities are available everywhere else. Mississippi State in the Gator Bowl, they've never played Notre Dame in football, Steve. Yeah, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd, be, it'd be incredible. Um, and I think this past weekend's games kind of fit everything in a flux. I mean, you know, it's like if LSU wins, they stay in the New Year Six, right? If Clemson wins... South Carolina ends up being a seven and five team. I think right now, if you're honest with yourself, there are three eight and four teams within the Southeastern Conference. If, if I'm picking bowls, my first pick is South Carolina because they have had higher highs. They have back to back top ten wins. There's a lot of enthusiasm and juice behind that program right now. And the second school for me would be Mississippi State. It's because of the fact State has ended the year with a little momentum, and they beat Ole Miss head to head, who's lost four of the last five, and so. Who is going to be more motivated to buy tickets? What's going to be South Carolina and then Mississippi State? And all Miss people always show up, too. I'm not in any way suggesting that. But with all the things that have happened, you know, the losing and then, of course, you know, the flirtations of Lane Kiffin with Auburn, I think there's some people that maybe have a little bit of football fatigue right now. But I think in the, the fact that LSU loses that ball game to A&M, that probably puts them in line to go to the Citrus because I don't see them beating Georgia. I guess they, they could, but uh, I think Georgia will overwhelm that offense with their defensive skill. But I think State will end up in a Florida Bowl game somewhere. And, you know, you got to think there's some people telling me that South Carolina wants to go to the Gator Bowl, um, which may push State to the, uh, why would, the old Outback Bowl. Why would – I saw that. I don't, know, I don't remember if it was on your board or the other 19 that I was going through. What – why would South Carolina want to go? I mean, they're both good bowls, fun places, sunshine during the holidays, but why would they want to go to Jacksonville and the Gator Bowl over the Outback Bowl in Tampa, Steve? Did you get any read on that? Well, well from what, I, what I've surmised from all this, they have been to the Outback more than they've been to the Gator Bowl. You know, so I think there's a little bit of fatigue. Like, you look at our people, you know, we've been to the Gator Bowl, what, three times in you know, 12 years, and you start, people, oh, another trip to Jacksonville? It could be, yeah, could be, could be back in the Gator Bowl, 
And so I think if you look at it from that perspective, Mississippi State's been to the Outback Bowl once in its history. South Carolina, they went back-to-back years under Lou Holtz. I mean, so they're, they're not unfamiliar with that venue. That makes sense. Uh, so I think maybe – I think a part of it is, hey, what, what's a new experience? What are – would people really want to go buy more tickets to go to Jacksonville again? Like if you're, if you're, if you're the Gator Bowl, you're thinking – man, we've had the Bulldogs here an awful lot. The novelty on all this has kind of worn off a little bit. And so, and, and a lot of people don't understand how the bowl process works. A lot of people think that the bowls choose. Well, only the citrus does. The league office does all the pairing behind mm-hmm. that. So I think it's, I think they'll want to make everybody happy. That will be interesting. We got to go, but if South Carolina does want to go to the Gator, and if that happens, then they would maybe get Notre Dame. So Mississippi State would miss out on playing Notre Dame for the first time. And it sounds like uh, Illinois is going to the Outback. So we'll we'll see. Uh, Steve, thanks, man. Steve Robertson, the Boneyard Podcast, 247 Sports, Gene Spage. He joined us on the Dosecki guest line. Uh, enjoy lunch today at Bulldog Burger in Ridgeland on Lake Harbor. Locally owned, amazing sandwiches and burgers. Yingling, Dosaki, among many, many other wonderful beers, including also Tito's Vodka there. Bulldog Burger for lunch. If you missed anything, go to Apple Podcasts. Search the Out of Bounds show with Bo Bounds. We'll see you tomorrow.